Oh, well, 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 brothers. Welcome, everybody. Welcome to the Forest Brothers podcast. You know the vibes. We are here. We are here. And today we have a bombshell of an episode. Today it's not going to be any like any like any other episode because we are joined by a special guest. Finally, we have a Man United member on the podcast, a, F- a Man United Forest brother. So, <laughs> without further ado, I'll introduce my brothers. Uh, I'll start with the boys, Sangye. They are resident. Uh, our other guy, Mr. Mangoro, he is running a little late. He will join us shortly. Uh, do not worry, he will be here. But yeah, just to get us started off, I will go on to my brother, Mr. Sangi, and then we'll have our special guest, Mr. Nana from Ghana, to introduce himself and say hello to the wonderful listeners out there. So over to you, Mr. Samson. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Forest Brothers podcast. I am happy to be here once again. Uh, with my brother Mwari, my brother Nana's here on the part with us today. To my Arsenal fans, they said it wouldn't happen. They didn't believe in us. But guess what? It's going to be Christmas soon. And <laughs> guess who's on top of the table, boys? Guess who's on top? I love to see it. I'm so excited to get started on the pod. So many explosive uh, pieces we have to get through today. Um, let's Let's get into it, guys. What's up? What's up? What's up? What's up? Finally, there's some unbiased opinions in this podcast. My name is Nana. This is my first time on this podcast. I'm more than excited to be a part of this. I'm obviously a United fan and a Ronaldo fan. So um, hopefully I can give my two cents on what just transpired this past, I guess, two days. Um, and then give my two cents on that and see how that goes. Thank you, Mr. Nana. I, I I don't know why you're pulling a Lukaku on us and speaking in an American accent, but don't worry, you don't have to do that here, my guy. It's okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know what we're doing the pod. We have to haze just a little bit. But, boys, we know what's been going on in the world right now. Uh, our boy, Mr. Cristiano Ronaldo, dropped a bombshell of an interview with the boy Piers Morgan. And the world had to stop because I don't know if you guys remember this, but like, was it like a month ago, two months ago when the boy Ronaldo was like, don't worry, I'll speak two weeks. I mean, it took longer than two weeks, but here we are finally. Uh, maybe they recorded the interview in two weeks after that. I don't know. But anyway, it's come out this week. Part one was yesterday, Tuesday, uh, Wednesday, came out. The other part was today, Thursday, October 17th. And there's a lot to chew on here, boys. Uh, a lot of fans are happy. A lot of fans are not happy. But let me give the platform here to our boy, Mr. Nana, because as a Man United fan, I'm sure that he has a lot of feelings, a lot of thoughts um, that he would like to express. He has some things to get out of his chest. So without further ado, let's hear from Mr. Nana. Nana, this interview, my guy, what what, what did you think about it? What did you think about the boy Ronaldo? What did you think about the boy Piers Morgan? What do you think about the whole situation as a United fan? Give us, give us, give us the deets, bro. Over to you. Well, okay. So I want to preface everything by saying I'm a United fan before I'm a Ronaldo fan. Okay. So I, I was obviously in love with United before Ronaldo showed up, and even Sir Alex Ferguson, a man he showed a lot of praise to in the interview, says no individual is bigger than the club. A lot of these dudes that left the team, you know, on a sour taste, left because they started to feel like they were bigger than the club, right? And nothing he necessarily said in this interview was, you know, wrong. 
right? Nothing was incorrect, at least not not from the spectator or the fans' perspective. None of it was wrong. But you know, first things first. Like, why why do you feel the need to say this during a season? When I say during the season, obviously we have the World Cup coming up, but you're gonna go back to the team. You're gonna go back and play with these guys. Right, and you're you're dropping names. Like we know that's the code of these interviews. You don't drop names. But this man was easily dropping names in there. And I'm like, they asked you who do you think is, you know, has potential. And you go ahead and mention the one Portuguese guy that you actually like. You know, you mention his name and you leave everybody else out there. All right. So my first thing, why do you feel like it's important to say that on the team? You know you're going to fracture things. And secondly, we all know Ronaldo's not short of confidence. He's an incredibly confident guy, and it's probably the reason why he got to the level he got at because of his confidence, right? So he's somebody who has a huge ego, and the moment he feels like his he's not getting the praise, the adulation, or the worship that he's getting, he feels like everybody's against him, right? I remember a lot of interviews where you know the coach said, hey, listen, this guy is dealing with some family stuff. He's going to be away from the team. Fine. We all respect that. But Ronaldo always feels like he he should be the guy on the team. Ronaldo can't be benched. Ronaldo, Ronaldo can't be punished because he's above all of that. He believes he's earned that right to be above all of that because what? He's got five Champions Leagues. He's got Ballon d'Ors. He's done this. He's done that. You know, he feels like he should be held to a different standard from the team. And Ten Hag is from Ajax. The philosophy of Ajax is everybody's the same. Everybody's the same. You can't come and feel like you should be treated differently because of what you've done. You either buy into the team or you're out. He doesn't give a, I know I can't cuss on this, but he doesn't care who you are on the team, right? He doesn't really care for you as an individual. You have to buy into the philosophy of the team, right? You talk about, you know, the infrastructure is the same, the kitchen is the same, this and that and the third. You have to <laughs> my question is, has he addressed this within the confines of United? Has he addressed this to the individuals that need to be addressed? Or did he just sit down and pout and walk out of the stadium, you know, because he wasn't put into the game? I don't know. Did he address this um to those who need to be addressed? Or did he just wait and say, I'll speak in, you know, two weeks as he did. You know, I don't think he went through the right courses to address these issues. Ronaldo's, I truly believe Ronaldo's about winning. And Ronaldo's about winning because he knows if his team wins, he looks good. Right? So how much does he really care about Manchester United? All he cares about is if United wins, he looks good. This is just my opinion, obviously, and you can see the trend. You can see the trend of how he's been talking about how he thinks he's better than people. He's better looking than people. You know, Ronaldo doesn't need to be criticized. Nobody can criticize Ronaldo for what he's done. That's his. That's his mentality. Like, why is Rooney criticizing me? You know, who is he to criticize me? I'm better looking than him. I'm playing longer than him. Why is he criticizing? Why is Neville criticizing? Him? Your teammates can't criticize you. That's essentially the kind of um, mentality that Ronaldo has. Nobody can criticize. And if you listen closely to what he was saying, there's a huge ego on this guy, obviously. So 
He's at a point in his life where he feels like he shouldn't be treated the way he's treated because of what he's done in his past. Right? And the famous saying is, what have you done for me lately? He put you in a game for 90 minutes in a, in a, against Sheriff. Sheriff, I thought it was some, somebody from a Western movie. I didn't know that was a football team. Sheriff, and, and for 90 minutes straight, they did everything possible for him to score. He couldn't score. And then the Omo team, I don't know if it's washing powder or what, but this guy, this guy was just completely out of it. You didn't show up to preseason, we understand that. And also, I want to say that what he went through and what his family went through was terrible. Right, nobody's disputing that it was a terrible tragedy, and it would take a lot for him to readjust to that. But he can't throw his team under the bus, especially if he hasn't addressed these issues within the confines of the team. I'll stop right here, and I'll try and get you guys this input. Yeah, I mean, those are also valid points. I understand that, and I mean, we don't know if he had gone through the proper channels of talking to the upper upper heads. I mean, in the interview, he said he's never met or talk to the Glazers before. That, I found that quite interesting. I, I thought they probably would have met him or tried to meet him or something. But I guess he has to... He, I don't know who he meets in the higher-ups, but it seems that there's also friction with him and the higher-ups for whatever reason. So my question is to you, Nana, like, when do you think he should have given this interview? Like, if you look at right now, the way the media, for example, is, like, just running stories on him, all these theories... Ronaldo's a baby, you know, but then we also think about the situations, right? If we think about the Tottenham game. At Ten Hag, let's look at the Man City game. Did 90 minutes, Ronaldo's not used. He's been warming the bench for the whole game. And Ten Hag says, I didn't want to put him in because I respect him. Tottenham comes around, 90 minutes or whatever. He hasn't played. Ten Hag is like, yo, you want to jump in for three minutes? And Ronaldo's like, bro, like, come on, man, you know? And to him, maybe that moment was just so disrespectful. It's like, how can you do me like that? Like, I am an apex striker. I'm the best striker that was the, 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 the soccer has ever known. That's me. You throw me in there, throw me in the kitchen, and I'll do what I can. You didn't throw me in the kitchen. You know, put me in three minutes. The game's done. What am I going to do? You know? So, and if you look at last season, Ronaldo's the highest goal scorer. He was the second highest goal scorer, I think, in the Premier League, because Salah and Son had the same, and he had like what twenty-two goals. He had like six in the Champions League. You guys owe a lot for Ronaldo last season, man. You know he really carried y'all on his back with the same resources in the same gym, probably having to bench three O's just to stay fit. So like, come on, he did his best, fam. You know, and then to come in this season, he's gone through all this trauma, and he's trying his best. And now Ten Hag, I know he's got his new philosophy, but. These things, like, Nana, you as a Man United fan, did you know that United had not made any updates to their facilities since 2009? Did you really know that? And knowing that now, doesn't that change your perspective as to why your team has been doing so poorly? Like, if their nutrition health hasn't changed in the 15 years, if the gym hasn't changed, if the swimming pool hasn't changed, if you're still eating food from an 80-year-old chef, like, these things make a difference, right? To an extent. Like, if y'all are not keeping up with the standards of every sports team in the world like the good sports teams if you're not keeping up facilities was and you know how expensive like we know how facilities make a difference and if you're not and if you're not up to scratch does that like shine light on why even Mourinho didn't do well Moise didn't do well all they tried and like they're all left frustrated right so like doesn't this give you a bigger picture 
of what's going on? And don't you think this will force Man United to actually make the changes necessary to go forward? Like I said, nothing he said during that interview was false, right? Nothing he said was necessarily wrong. But what he did was he tried to embarrass them because, like he said about Ten Hag, if you don't show me respect, I won't show you respect. All he did was he tried to embarrass Manu as much as possible, right? You think Sir Alex Ferguson hasn't talked about the, the stagnation that's been there since? You think he hasn't spoken about it? When did you see uh, Alex Ferguson do an interview talking about how old the the chef is or how you know the pool hasn't been renovated or, or you think you think he somebody who cares deeply about the team hasn't addressed this? You think you think all these guys haven't seen what is done and not done right within the facilities? And mind you, before Ronaldo joined the team, what position did Manchester United finish in? I'll leave that up to the listeners. The year before Ronaldo joined, what position did Manchester United finish in? I believe it was second place. Correct? And the mere fact that you score an X number of goals, right, doesn't mean the team overall got better. Or you obviously you you obviously helped the team. But your goals does not equate the success of the team. And that is where Ronaldo is always, always, in my opinion, wrong. Because he's always about, oh my gosh, I did this. Nobody could help me. Right. I have to do this all by myself. These youngsters don't listen. You know, Luke Shaw is using the community shield as a plate to serve himself at the buffet. Like, I mean, <laughs> okay, I mean, that's... <laughs> No, but Ronaldo is all about, oh my gosh, I wish I had some help. Oh my gosh, I wish I, I wish I had this, I had that. You scored 22 goals, but was the team better? No, I don't agree with you. I truly believe this year's team is so much better than last year's team. Obviously, we didn't start well, but this team is so much better than last year's. And it's not due to just one person. It's a collective thing, right? Once he joins the team... A lot of that would have to change. Everything would be catered towards, you know, the supply to Ronaldo. And teams will start to figure that out. Teams will start to zero in on him, and then they'll start to figure that out. You have to find other ways to be successful. And I truly believe Ronaldo could still be a top player, but maybe not in this Manchester United system. And your your earlier question was, you know, when do I think it was a good time to see this? When the season's done? Because we know for damn sure he's not coming back to the team. We know he's not going to come back to the team, right? We know he's not going to come back to the team and it's not going to fracture or it's not going to create any tensions because we know the locker room is going to be split somehow. There's going to be dudes that are on Ronaldo's side and there's going to be dudes that are not on Ronaldo's side. And it's going to cause some tension and some friction within the team. It happens. It's a locker room. These guys are you know, humans. Dalo is obviously going to feel on top of the world because he got some praise for that. Lisandro, Casemiro, you know, Varane, all those people who are his boys are going to feel like, hey, Ronaldo's right, this and that. And so they'll, they'll ha- it'll, be fract- it'll be fractured in some way. And, you know, a lot of these young guys are also very maybe, you know, they're emotional, you know, they might be hurt by these comments, and it might affect their play. It might affect their confidence. You know, Rashford holds into a high regard. He didn't throw Rashford. He didn't name drop Rashford. Rashford might feel some type of way about it, you know. And I truly don't believe Ronaldo talked to his teammates about these things. I don't think so. 
Okay, I mean, and then just just because I know you have to bounce pretty soon. My final question to you before maybe Samson has a question is, do you think he should come back in Jan? Or do you think he's done? There's no way he should come back. This is it. He should bounce. Bye-bye, Ronaldo. Goodbye. I think we should title this podcast Bye-bye, Ronaldo. Because I'm tired of his ass. Tired of his ass. Phenomenal player. He's a legend, you know. But bye-bye, Ronaldo. You know, he's, 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 he's served the team well. He's run his course on the team. I think he should, he should take the Saudi deal. <laughs> if I were him, I'd take the Saudi deal. You know, fund his Botox. Fund his Botox or his new teeth or whatever the case may be. But I think he's done. The team, the team, the team is much, much better off without him. You know, psychologically and I think on the field. Watch Ronaldo, uh, watch Man U take off um, after after the World Cup, and you know they find a way to galvanize the team together. Yeah, you know, I think, I mean, I, I'm I'm loving hearing those words from you, Nana, because in the last two days, I became Ronaldo's biggest supporter. He became my goat. You know, <laughs> I'm rocking with this man till the end, bro. <laughs> Portugal for the World Cup, bro. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I think it's interesting, but, you know, cause I, I hear everything you're saying. Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah. I see you have to leave now. And yeah, that's okay. Um, it's great having you. Um, uh, any, any final words, uh, to the listeners out there? Cause I, I mean, as a man from the forest, I know Ghana's going to the world cup. Do you have any final words, uh, for, for, for the black stars? Yes. Um, the black stars are going to take care of Portugal. And um, it's a little revenge tour because we have Uruguay as well. So let's stay tuned. Ghana, South Korea are leaving, the, are getting out of the group. So market's here. Thanks, my guy. We'll see you. <laughs> wow. You heard that, ladies and gentlemen. You can book it. Ghana and South Korea. Me personally, I think it's going to be Ghana, Portugal. I, I, <laughs> I see Portugal in the final. And I'm loving it. I'm loving this situation because as an Arsenal fan, for years, for years, United fans have held Ronaldo over us like, yo, hey, <laughs> you have Thierry, we have the best player ever. We have him. He's ours. He's Ronaldo. Here he is. And now they don't want anything to, to do with him. And I love this. Okay. He's my goat now. Fuck Henry. You know, Henry, uh, Bergkamp, all the, they, they can shove it. I, Ronaldo's my goat. <laughs> Heard the United fans, he's my goat. Um, but anyways, I think it's interesting because I think Nana's right. Uh, we have to remember that this is a very egotistical person, more than most, because he's been at the top of the game for a very long time. And, you know, just so the listeners understand, like, most of these football players are egotistical. Like, I guarantee you, players in the Premier League walk around like they own shit, you know? Even players from Nottingham Forest will walk around like they own shit. Like it's, it's it comes with the sport. When you're an athlete, you feel like you own shit. And it's, it's fine. You know, it's, it's okay. But Ronaldo more than most because he's been at the very top for a very long time. And I get that. And I get that his comments come, you should take him with a grain of salt because he's not only, even though he may be telling some truths, you know, he's also painting himself in the best possible light. Um, I get all that, but I do think it's important that we not gloss over the 
very real um, things he spoke about in the interview, which is the death of his premature son and his daughter being in hospital for a week um, for bronchitis. You know, this, this is a baby in the hospital for bronchitis is it's pretty serious. You know, like uh, we're talking life and death here. You know, like that a baby having any sort of disease is for a week. It's you know, it's, it's a big deal. You know, so I understand how that can impact his mental health. You know, and why he would not be in this the right frame of mind going into a season. When you factor, because I I'd never considered this when I was thinking about his performances early this year. You know, because um, I at first I thought he has the poor performances because well he hasn't been starting. You know, he's used to starting every game. He doesn't have a rhythm. Um, and then I was like, ah, you know, maybe it's age catching up. Maybe it's you know the guy, these guys are right. The pressing it's intense on him. He can't handle it. But when I take a step back and I think about you know, the whole situation is totality after seeing this interview. You definitely have to consider what this man has been through. Like, I, I I, would I would struggle to find any other football player that would have gone through the same sort of thing in the same space of time and been at their best right back, especially given the circumstances that surrounded him. You know, it's not like he came back to a United team where he was the main man again, starting every game, had the love and support of everyone around him, the media didn't criticize him. Like he, he, he came back into a storm. You know, he did not get along with the coach. He was not playing. Sometimes he was training alone. Um, he was being criticized heavily on a, almost on a daily basis. I mean, at this point, it's on a daily basis. So most footballers would crumble just by just if one of those things happened. You know, and we've seen it happen. You know, like Rashford was criticized. You know. A while back, he crumbled. Um, you had Shaw, you know, who Mourinho talks shit about in the press. He crumbled. Like, for most players, just one thing going wrong. It's every, But this is like multiple things, personal and professional, all going terribly wrong. So it makes me realize that I don't think Ronaldo is past it, the way people are saying. I think he can probably still play at a high level. Um but it's just insane to me, like just the 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 shitstorm that this guy was a part of the last six months. Because this is a lot for any human being to endure. Like, I and I could be a you know I, I could be a hater right now as an Arsenal and just be like ah, I could get over that you know other players have gone like no like this is this is an insane amount for anyone to go through. Um, and I think everyone should have a little more sympathy when they talk about Ronaldo and his performance this year. And yeah, uh, I am loving this though. I am loving this. <laughs> this is great. Yeah, you know what? I mean, I totally agree though. Because like when I was really going into detail as to like why he didn't even go into preseason, he didn't even say anything, right? I don't think he put it out into the press that, oh, my baby daughter is has been in hospital for a week because of bronchitis. And I'm sure that was extra heavy because they had just lost that the twin baby, right? So it's like a lot of scare. And I think this was his girlfriend Gio's first pregnancy too. I'm not too sure, but I'm sure for her, that was a lot too. So as a partner to her, she's probably going through the most. And Ronaldo has to be there for her. But throughout that interview, I can see like how much Gio really supported him and being just like, Yo, you know what? I know this is heavy on you, but 
just try go back and play, you know, because I know it's going to help you take your mind off things. And that's a great quality to have in somebody. But then I also just started to wonder, like, yo, man, who's taking care of Gio? So I hope that maybe when Cristiano's mom was around, her parents, someone in the family, because I'm sure her own mental health was probably not great. But, you know, so I, I can tell, like, all these things are probably playing Cristiano's mind. And then on top of that, like you were saying, Samson, the manager doesn't like you. He feels like the manager doesn't respect him. You know, he's not getting all the minutes. He's warming benches. Like, that's probably not what his thought was. He probably thought, you know what, I'm going to spend every week, every weekend, sweating blood and tears on this pitch. Instead, he has to sit there, right, on the bench, sit right next to Maguire. And he has to be deep in his thoughts, like, damn. And then I'm sure everything was coming in, like, he's thinking about all the things going on at home. He's thinking about the players. He's thinking about himself. He's like, I want to just go work out in the gym. I want to go in the sauna, but the sauna's not working because it hasn't been updated since 2009. It's just like, come on, man. I just want to take a bath. I just want to shower, okay? I just want to take a nice shower and this water's not spraying, man. Like, yo. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> You have to use a buck imagine. <laughs> like that can that can that can control your mind. That can like really mess you up. Like <laughs> so to be honest, this gave me a new perspective as well. Like I have a lot more sympathy for him now in terms of you know, even that like moment where he slapped the cell phone out of that autistic kid's hand, not to absolve him of that. Like he should never do that. And I didn't think that was right, and he should get uh, whatever, like all the consequences should have faced them and everything. But you can understand that, like, you know, at that point, just thought, oh, he's just being egotistical or whatever. But like, maybe that day, all those things had just come to a point and he was just like, he just saw the cell phone and maybe something triggered him, you know, things like that. So just a wider context is helpful to know. But Samson, let me ask you though, like, do you think this interview then was his power move? to force Man United's hand to release him in the January window because, well, I don't know where he's going to go, first of all. I assume he wants to have an excellent World Cup, possibly win it, and then maybe that will influence a couple of clubs to be like, yo, that man was playing like a monster. We need him for another year. Like, you know what? Pull up. We're struggling right now. I'm sure there are a lot of teams struggling, you know? So, like, they need another apex striker. Yeah, they'll be like, yeah, pull up, my guy. Here's the money. I don't know if they'll pay him 500k a month, a week, but I'm sure he'll take even like 400 or 450. Maybe he'll take a bit of a pay cut. You know, I'm sure he would. I don't, th- I don't know if he would care. But in your opinion, Samson, do you think Ronaldo gave this interview as a means to say, release me, as I've been begging y'all to do? Or do you think he did this in the sense of saying, this is the only way y'all can actually change yourselves I want to be here, but I want to see these changes being made. And I'm holding y'all publicly accountable so that these things happen. And then we can move together in the second half of the season. And maybe his comments will make Rashford work harder, Sancho work harder, because everyone's like looking at them now. They're like, yeah, Ronald said you young guys don't listen. Let's see if you do not listen or you listen or whatever, you know? And like now they have pressure to actually do well. But what do you think was his initial, like, what do you think was the, the point? Power move? Or he just wants things to get better and he hopes to stay. I think it's I think it's mostly power move, but I can also imagine that it's also just it was just like a venting session, you know, like 
if I was, I'm trying to put myself in his shoes, which is not easy because he's a multimillionaire who's won like so many things. Um, I have no idea what the hell he was thinking doing this, but especially Piers Morgan. But <laughs> anyways, um, let me tackle one thing at a time. Um, I think it was power move, um, but it was also just like, I am tired of turning on my TV every day and hearing Gary Neville talk shit for 20 minutes about me. Like, and every time Gary Neville opens his mouth, he gets 10 new followers. Like, I, I hate that. Like, you know, I can imagine that. Like, this, like, like, it's like, it's like, I imagine like, you know how like in the mid 2000s, you'd have like a rapper like Eminem or 50 Cent, like someone at the top of their game, um, just rapping their ass off. They drop an album, it does well. And they get dissed by some guy from Memphis or some guy from Detroit that they have no idea who this person, just some guy throws a diss track. And on the next track, they're ethering someone you have no idea who this person is. They're like, why are they ethering this person? Like, And it's just like that idea that this, this guy, this nobody, people know him because he mentioned my name. And I'm tired of it. Like he keeps winning because of me. And I'm suffering here in silence and I'm tired. I am physically tired and I just need to say something. So that's what I think it was. Um, because from like a strategic point of view, like it wasn't the best thing because as we all, I mean, I'm not sure if we all know, but like football, the business of football is very much an old, like an old person's club, you know, in terms of like the people with power who make things happen. And the people in power do not like it when you speak out. Like, you, I can go through, like, the names. Like, um, you had Rashford when he was speaking out against um, school lunches. Uh, that only gained popularity when regular English people, like, got behind him and, like, yeah, this is a, a cause we care about. Initially, Man United were not so thrilled. Uh, Arsenal, you had Ozil speaking out against uh, uh, China's treatment of Uyghur Muslims. Arsenal actually punished Ozil for that. You know, um, even though he's speaking out against people who are being oppressed. Um, and you've had other people speaking out in protest of things. The people in power don't like it when players speak out. And you see it in other sports. Athletes aren't meant to do this sort of thing. And you even saw the Lukaku interview. Like, any sort of thing that, like, shines a lot of what's going on behind the scenes, people don't like it. So, from that perspective, like, yeah, it it wasn't the best move for him strategically, but he was frustrated and he needs, I think he knew he wasn't going back like to the team. I think he even mentioned it in the pod. Um, I mean, in the interview, Ten Hag has three years. His contract is up this, this year. He knows Ten Hag will outlive him at United. So I think he was ex- like, it would cost more to get, to get rid of Ten Hag than it would him. So I think he knows by doing this interview, he's speeding up the process. Um, but what I liked about the interviews, because he could have just done 20 minutes shit talking Ten Hag and the previous, you know, manager and the directors, Glazers and leave. I like the fact that he called out the players, like other players on the team, like saying that they don't work hard enough, like, and saying that, um, like all this stuff about like, uh, um, like his personal life um, and shining a light on that. I thought that was interesting because um, it showed me that 
it wasn't it wasn't entirely um a power move to get things rolling it was more uh it, it was also part pr move to clean up his image too uh but it was also um just a chance for him to let some of this stuff out because i think ronaldo as much as he is egotistical and he loves the love and adoration of the fans um he loves that attention i think to some extent he cares you know like <laughs> He actually cares if you think he's a piece of shit. He cares if you think United are worse because of him. He cares if you think that he's not doing the best he can to make United better. So that's what he's trying to remedy here. He's trying to show you that, hey, Mac, like, I know things are bad, but I, I promise you I am trying all that I can. You know, as limited as what I can is, I'm trying. And I hope you understand that. And I thought that was that was the nice part about it, where it's like, if I was a Arsenal, I mean a Man United fan, I would have liked that part. You know, the fact that um, he he shared a bit of himself um, in the in the interview, and he wasn't just all business because, you know, it really could have been. Um, he had no need to 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 dive into the nitty gritty there. So yeah, I think there was a few things on his mind there. Uh, a few things just trying to achieve so yeah yeah like you know how i think what you're saying right about clubs not wanting their players to speak out about stuff ronaldo did mention that soccer right now or football right now footballers are being just treated like pieces of meat like that's literally what they are just like yo listen we're just gonna pump money into you you play soccer you go home you sleep you come back for female years that's it you don't have a mouth you're just a piece of meat you play soccer, we we control you. Once it's done, we turn you out. We get the little piece of sausage. The next one in, here you go, play whatever, whatever, whatever. You know. So I was like, wow, okay. Now as we think about the stuff more, it's like, okay, that's interesting. But you know, Samson, as I was, as as we as these things unfolding, you know, I'm a big Naruto fan. Uh, I'm sure you are too, and I'm sure a lot of our fans could be Naruto fans as well. To me, Ronaldo is like the Itachi of football, you know? So in the sense that for the longest time in Naruto, Itachi was the villain, right? This might be a spoiler for people who have not watched Naruto, but if you haven't finished Naruto, honestly, at this point, it's your fault. I I, I cannot be... So if you don't want to listen to this part, maybe close your ears for the next five minutes. But anyway, Itachi is seen as the villain for the entire show, the entire, like the whole thing. Sasuke hits Itachi. Everyone's like, Itachi's a bad man. And, you know, he's, he's in the Akatsuki, whatever, whatever, whatever. But then when finally we get to that point where we realize, like, oh, man, Itachi basically saved this whole village. Itachi was essentially the greatest Hokage in the Hidden Leaf Village because he killed his whole clan, not because he was evil, but because they were about to start a war, which was going to lead to more bloodshed. And he had to take the ultimate sacrifice to kill his family and his clan in order to protect everyone else. And he had to live in the shadows with that secret because he loved the Hidden Lift Village so much, right? And to me, that's kind of like Ronaldo's story right now, this interview. Like, this right here is the moment that Ronaldo killed everybody. He went on, he went on the news. He basically chopped up the Glazers, chopped up... The players chopped up Eric, talked about the history because he loves the club so much, you know, and we might hate him right now, but one day 
we might be able to be like, yo, if it was not for the interview and Ronaldo doing that, Man United would have never moved past all the things that have bothered them so much. Like, you know, now they're winning trophies. Now they're like, they updated the facilities. Now they're attracting world star players. You know, Ronaldo at that point would be long gone, like long retired or whatever it is. But because of that interview, the glazers go out. You know, all these things start happening. And that's the moment. So he basically sacrificed himself for the greater good of the club. And I, I, I see the vision. I see it, you know, and I respect it. You have to sometimes just have to put yourself and sacrifice yourself. So, um, but that's my own little point of view. Hopefully, I don't know if the fans get what I'm trying to say, but Samson, you get what I'm trying to say, right? It makes sense, right? Yeah, I, I, I think I think what you're saying is make, make, makes sense. I, I, w- I will admit that I'm not the biggest uh, Nenota fan. I have not, uh, I don't finished it. I watched like two seasons, like a way back then. I'm, I'm way, 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 way behind. Anyways, um, I want to go back to Ten Hag because I think this interview, I'm not sure, I, I'm not I'm not even sure if the media is going to cover this because I, and you and I have discussed this off the pod, but I think there's, I think the Glazers are pumping money into Sky um, to run negative stories about Ronaldo because just like the volume of tweets from Sky Sports News about Ronaldo is insane. Like if you just like follow their tweets, the, like what they usually tweet uh, on a regular week versus this week has just been mad. Anyways, I think Ronaldo is totally right about Eric because, yeah, because I, I go back to what you're saying about empathy. Um, like he doesn't feel there's empathy between him and Ten Hag. And that really stuck with me because I remember, you know, I'm, I'm an Arsenal fan, so I think Arsene Wenger is the greatest manager ever. And I don't think he's the greatest ever just because of the invincible season. I think it's because of the way he treated players. Um, Arsenal had under Wenger some of the most talented but the most injury-prone players I've ever witnessed. Like, Abu Dhabi is considered like, like he could have been a god. Like Pogba, like praises him every chance he gets. Like to to Pogba, he's like one of the greatest ever. Even though, you know, he he never did much in his career, um, but he stuck around at Arsenal because Wenger made sure he stuck around. Like, even though he was dealing with injury after injury after injury, Wenger made it his business to keep him around, to focus on his recovery, to make sure that his mind is right, his confidence is up, and Diaby, the, the, the person, is okay. He did the same thing with Santi Cazola towards the end of his career, Arsenal career. He suffered a horrible injury towards the, in the, the final year of his contract, and Wenger gave him another year um, and told him, just focus on your recovery, focus on coming back. Here's another year. Don't think about it. Did the same thing for Riziki. Did the same thing for um, Eduardo. Like, there's this personable side that comes with being a manager that I, I think isn't there anymore because when I think back to the the summer when United were playing preseason games and Ten Hag was being asked about Ronaldo this man was talking like he had no idea why Ronaldo was not there <laughs> like they were asking him where's Ronaldo he's like oh I don't know <laughs> uh, you have to ask that guy. I mean I don't know and like ask the director like you knew he told you where he was like you like he's Loki an asshole for this. Like, <laughs> like thinking back, like that was a dick move, man. Like you knew he was with this kid. Why, why, why would you like 
Why would you do that? Like, why would you act like he's like he's like Ronaldo was hiding from the team or just on vacation? Like, this is why I don't get. Like, it was very clear to him like what was going on with the player, and he could have handled this differently. I know if Wenger was the one handling the situation, I don't think Ronaldo would have. He would have said very clearly in preseason, he's dealing with family. He would have spoken to Ronaldo and like, hey, don't worry about the team. Go be with your family. You will join up with us whenever you join up with us. And as soon as you would have been available, he would have been in the team. Because that's just how, like, that's the empathy that Ronaldo's talking about. And that's something that was in the game for a very long time. Like, that's how people like Sir Alex and Vanko would deal with people. They were, you know, like, they were managers, but they were, you know, they were, their man management skills were just top. Ancelotti is the same way. Like, Rudiger had this story when he joined Real Madrid where his first day in Spain, he just bought a house. Um, he hears a knock on his door at 6 p.m. and it's Ancelotti there to have dinner with them. And they sat and spoke the whole night about life. You know, like, <laughs> Ten Hag is not doing that with anyone. <laughs> like, I promise you. So I think that is something that I think the listeners should pay attention to because... I think that's the empathy Ronaldo's talking about here. And I think Ten Hag, you know, when he was talking about people would think about themselves, I think that's the stuff he's talking about. Ten Hag in the moment, I don't think he was thinking about what Ronaldo's going through. He was just thinking about his job. Because at the time, as much scrutiny as Ronaldo was facing for being away at preseason, Ten Hag was facing 20 times more because people are like, is this guy right for United? Is he going to be successful? He's asked for players United can't get. You know, remember he was begging for De Jong and, you know, just just silly, <laughs> making silly requests um, that were just not going to happen. So he had all this pressure on him, but he was, so he was just thinking about himself. And I think that showed in his man management of Ronaldo because I think as much as you can criticize Ronaldo for the way he's acted, I think you have to go back and look at the way he's been treated and say, yo, Ten Hag, you could have done better here. Like, honestly, you you really could have. You could have come out first day and said, hey, this guy's dealing with some family issues. That's why he's not on the team. Or you, should, you could have just said, hey, he doesn't fit into my plans. So I'll play him when I play him. You know, he's. I'm not going to be... I'm not going to say I'm not playing him for the respect of his career one week and then play him three minutes the following week. Because... That like again, that is like the most dickish thing <laughs> like you could do. Like one week, you literally say, "I'm not playing him out of respect for his career." I, you know, you're losing six nil or whatever it is against Tottenham when you're winning two nil, ninety third minute. You want to bring him on for three minutes, a thirty seven year old player. You know, like that's not just disrespectful in terms of his career, but like injuries, bro. Like. You're going to risk three minutes, like, of a game that's useless? It's one? Like, that's garbage time. That's when kids play. Like, people, like, 16-year-olds, 15-year-olds, like, when you're going to break a record. Like, uh, I tested it earlier in the day that he brought in uh, Eric Ethan Nuaneri for two minutes. End of the game. That's what you do, you know, with young players. Not with the 37-year-old. Like, so, yeah, as much as... You can criticize, and I, I do share in the criticism like of the way he's handled things, but I think Eric Ten Hag, this interview has just shown me, like, this guy's a dick, man, like, on the low. Like, this guy's, like, actually a dick. Like, bro, like, 
like th- these these are just horrible things. Like I would I would feel some type of way if I was Ronaldo too. No, honestly, I, I I agree. I think that they haven't Ten Hag definitely didn't treat him well, and I understand why Ronaldo's frustrated and he wants out. And he could probably see like, yo, if I don't do this interview, these guys are gonna hold me again for the whole of the season, and and then when the year ends next year, they're just gonna drop me. And at that point, who's gonna take me? So like right now, let me make sure like do my best at the World Cup and put some names, some respect on my name. But Samson, what did you take of uh, his comments about the boy Ralph Ragnick? Because he did not rate that man at all. Him and Pierce Wiesel laughing like, bro, we did not know where that man came from. Uh, I did not know who he was. <laughs> he was like, why are you guys appointing this guy? He's not even a coach. Like, first of all, I don't know his name. Second of all, he's not even a coach. And he's coaching me? Come on, man. So, and I think we all thought these things in the very beginning. But why did you take of Ronaldo even talking about Ralph in that way? Was it warranted in your opinion or did Ralph just catch some strays that he didn't deserve? The thing is, it depends who you are and what you know about football. Like to a lot of people who like um, follow German football, Austrian football, it would have felt like strays. But if you're looking at it like, and okay, also, uh, if you play like like football manager or some shit like that, like you would also think, yeah, those are some strays. Because you recognize the work Ralph has done in management over the last, you know, 20 years or so, uh, building up clubs, um, setting them up to be sustainable and successful long term. Like all that is, you know, worthy of respect. But Ronaldo did have a point. Like R- Ralph hadn't coached in a minute. Like he was a sporting director for for like four or five years before he joined United, and even the role he joined United for, like, you know, initially he was just supposed to be interim boss and then transitioned into uh, being a director of football. Um, but yeah, I think it's just because the way he came in and the changes he was trying to make, and because like I, I guess like the players. Players respond to that kind of thing. Like, if you, like, like I, I, obviously, I wasn't on the training ground, so I don't know. But I don't know how well he was performing as a coach, given that he hadn't done it in a while. I don't know what his level of, uh, like, for example, you know, Am Ronaldo had been coached by, like, in recent years. Ancelotti, Sari, and Perlo, guys who have you know been in the game, both as players and coaches. Like very recently, um, they've been keeping up with the trends, what's going on, playing styles, all that. I don't know if like Ralph was got to the training ground and started saying some things, and guys were like, "No one does that anymore." <laughs> you know, I don't know if that was the case. Maybe that you know, maybe that's what made him think this guy's not a coach, but. Players pick up on that stuff. Like you haven't worked in five years. Like, I just, like, like, why are they hiring you? You know, like it. It makes sense to me why you would feel some type of way. But it, they were low key strays because Ralph is accomplished in his own right. But it's it's sort of like fifty fifty. But I I see where Ronaldo's coming from. Yeah, no, I, I, I mean, I, I got it because to be honest, most of us didn't know him. Like, unless if you're in a very specific, whatever. It's not even like. 
a really talked about person. I mean, we all know what he did 20 years ago and like all the influences he had, but that was such a long time ago. Like you don't think that, okay, this guy, because of all these things is going to come back, coach my United and do something with them. You know, I, so I get it. And I think Rondo is more speaking to the fact of why are you guys hiring this guy when you could have a world-class coach, someone who we know and has a good track record and is actually involved in the game right now. Why are y'all not getting somebody like that? But instead you want to get Rolf because you want to employ him later to be your sporting director, but he's going to coach first. He's going to coach first. Like, come on, man. Like, I don't know who was making those decisions. And I'm sure Ronaldo spoke out about it and was like, guys, what are you doing? And they're like, Ronaldo, please sit down. What are you doing? And he was, he probably took that to heart. He probably held on to that. And it's like, you know what? I'm going to catch you one day. I'm I'm like, I'm going to expose y'all, man. Like y'all, <laughs> y'all, y'all, y'all looking at me and I'm looking at you and it's going to come out one day, you know? <laughs> so he did say he had a little book the way he was writing stuff. So maybe he wrote it in his little book. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Exactly. But so like his comments about the young players, I found those to be very interesting as well, because, you know, it's like in the hip hop game, you know, I don't know if it's an old head thing, but you know how old heads be like, yo, man, this you this new age of rap, these kids, mumble rappers, you know, they don't know what we went through. It's too easy now. Just upload a song on SoundCloud and you're famous or y'all don't know about battle rap no more because y'all didn't grow up in the Bronx better rapping you know uh, on the street to survive y'all didn't y'all didn't have to get shot to make it to make it you know it's like all those things and now it's like ronaldo as well is like blaming the young kids like yo man these kids are motivated man everything's handed to them they just they, they i tell them one thing it goes in one ear and comes out the next they don't know you tell them one thing they go on the field they do another thing they don't care it's just you know there's no hunger there's no motivation you know and I found that very interesting. I mean, of course, like Ronaldo is a picture because I mean, and I, I can see why he's saying that because right now we know that Ronaldo physically, there's not many people who are as physically apt as he is. That man is toned. That man is fit. You know, he's 37 and he's fit fit. He looks 10 years younger than Rooney and he's two years older than him, you know? So obviously he's speaking from experience. Like he knows what he's doing. So... I know Nana touched on it a little bit, but I just want to hear your perspective as well on his comments about the young players these days, on whether they are hungry enough. Because if you look at maybe, maybe he looks at Lingard and he's like, this kid, he scores a goal, he does the gritty, but he's done nothing all game. He's busy dancing with Pogba in the dressing room. Ronaldo's just probably looking at them like, bro, what am I watching here? You know, Luke Shaw probably finishes the game, goes into the cafeteria, eats like two slices of cake with whipped cream on top. You know, like... And then he smiles at Ronaldo and Ronaldo just says cakes and cake in his teeth. And it's like, bro, come on, man. Like, please, you know? And then he meets Sancho in the hallway. Sancho is probably like sm- smoking a jewel. It's like, what one, fam? Like, <laughs> what are you doing? Like, you know, or something. It's like, yo, Sancho, man, come on, bro. Why to play a game? Drop that jewel, bro. Come on, man. <laughs> so I-, I-, I can see, like, do you think he had a point to criticize young players? as to like the state of how they are now or is he just being bitter like he's just a young man and maybe he's jealous of their youth and he doesn't think that they're using their youth properly and they should actually be working hard because i don't know dalot to me i don't know if he's necessarily like up there up there where another can be like yeah that's the kid 
Because doesn't isn't Joao Felix as well like Portuguese? Like he could have picked Joao Felix or something. I don't know what beef he has. Even Cancelo, uh, Cancelo looks like he works hard. So I don't know what it was about Dalit that he likes. But anyway, what do you think about his comments about the young players and this lack of hunger and motivation they have? Yeah, I think he he picked Dalo because um, I think he would, the question was around. I think Pierce asked him, "Who in the United squad do you think?" Because um, he was like, "These." He, he said what he said about the young kids. It was like, "Okay, you said what you said." Of these kids here, who do you think is gonna have a long career? Who do you think is actually has potential? And he was like, "Okay, I think Dalo because his mentality." Then Martinez as well, and to some extent, I get what what he's saying because I think he, he's talking about like. Um, I want to say, like, the criticism uh, these young kids are facing because I feel like he's talking about when he gives advice, how they respond to that advice, how they apply to their game. And I think players like Dalo and Martinez, maybe they're sponges. You know, they hear something, they're like, yeah, I'm going to try that. And other guys, not so much because his comments to me sound very similar to Jose Mourinho's comments. Um, when he was at uh, in the in the, in uh, in the Spurs all or nothing, um, in that all or nothing, Mourinho said something. I'm, I'm and I'm paraphrasing it, but something to the effect of, I, "I have to adapt to this younger generation. I have to find ways to talk to them because they like they like they're just not the same as the old guys I'm used to." Like, and he said something like, "Frank Lampard was 23. At 23, was a man." These guys are 23, they're still babies. They're still growing. And it's like, it's a different generation. I have to adapt to it. I have to coach differently. So, yeah, I think it's, yeah, like, number one, it's how they, maybe how these guys are receiving advice and also how they're living their lives. So because of the times we live in, people, players just aren't focused on football. Like, they have other things going on. I mean, Ronaldo also has other things going on, but maybe he's not as involved in, like, a second thing as much as, you know, like, for example, Memphis Depay is, like, a full-on rapper on the side. <laughs> like, like, a full-on, like, he's a rapper on the side. Like, he's like, like, he has music videos. Like, if you don't believe me, dear listener, go to YouTube right now, type in Memphis Depay music. You will see some music videos. He's like rapping in front of like a Ferrari and there's like video hose at the back. Like it's like the whole thing. Like he's doing it. I think Sancho has dropped a freestyle, if I'm not mistaken. (laughs) You know, so there's like these other things that guys these days do that consume their time, you know, so that it's like football. It's like football is not their number one thing. And I think maybe that's the sort of stuff he's talking about where like him at his age, it was wake up, go to training, come back, eat, sleep, you know, and not just eat, eat well, eat the right stuff and go to like these guys, you know, there've been stories about, you know, what they're eating in the cafeteria, you know, cakes and pizzas and all that stuff, you know. Oh yeah. You also have people like Maguire um, going to holiday in Greece and getting drunk, being arrested, like stuff like that. Like, these are things where, like, if you go through, like, Ronaldo's career, 
and the dressing rooms he's been a part of, he hasn't been around too many people who conduct themselves like that. Like everyone, most of the people he's been around are like very like professional, very like, yo, I'm, I come in at seven, I leave at nine, you know, type, type, of, type of vibe, you know. Um, very hard workers, just focus on football, no nonsense, no other stuff, like no social media stuff, like not doing TikToks, you know, not doing like, and I think that's the kind of stuff he's talking about. Like the mentality is different. Like these guys are thinking about football. They're thinking about um, what to post next. They're thinking about um, where to vacation, what freestyle they're going to drop, the next video, you know, like, they think about all these other things uh, and he's looking at it like, you know, you guys aren't like, you don't care about football enough. Like you don't care the way I care, which again, sounds very much like, you know, old man on the hill, you know, back in my day, whatever. And I get that. Like everyone has that. I think every generation is going to have that guy or those guys that say that, but there is truth to it. We can't ignore the truth. So, yeah, yeah, no, definitely we can't uh, we can't ignore the truth. But you know, lastly here we kind of have to talk about Piers Morgan and him as a as an interviewer because I I you know a lot of people have a lot of feelings about the man Piers. You know, he is uh, he is a problem in our community, in our football community. You know, a lot of people don't like Piers for good reason as well. He even slandered Ronaldo at some point. I think he even called him a baby at some point back in the day, if I'm not mistaken. So I know that Piers has criticized Ronaldo as well at some point in the past. And I don't know if Ronaldo knows that or not, but who knows? Uh, the fact that Ronaldo even invited Piers into his home to do that interview, I think, I don't know if they're friends, maybe they are, I don't know. But I was just... You know, I was just kind of curious as to like, why would Ronaldo go talk to Piers about this groundbreaking interview? What is it about Piers that made Ronaldo say, you know, I want to go have a chat with that guy, you know? I wonder if he didn't beef with Gary Neville, if he would have gone on Neville's whatever and like, yo, Neville, let's me and you have a sit down and talk about this. I, actually, I doubt Neville would have agreed because I think he'll get a lot of flack from the Man United community. So he probably wouldn't have agreed to that. So I'm trying to think who's somebody who we could have gone to to like chat to in the media, who like we could have also like asked him good questions and maybe had his best interests at heart. Because I could tell Pierce only wanted clickbait. He was only saying things that he knew people would be like, bro, you you put him in that corner. Like, you know, he's the one who brought up the issue about disrespect. He's the one who's bringing up Ten Hug. It's like, you know, he's the one who's bringing up all these certain things, just trying to bait him. Like, oh, and he brought up the Rooney thing that made Cristiano end up talking about how all these rats. That was all Piers. That's what he wanted. Piers wanted to have the biggest interview ever because I don't think there's ever been a time when so many people have spoken about Piers ever in his life. This right here is Piers' moment to shine. This is the time. You know, he knows Ronaldo has 400 million followers on Instagram. So if Piers can just get a little bit of that 20% of that viewership, he knows he's breaking bank, you know? So I'm pretty sure he's this interview with Ronaldo is going to rake up millions and millions of YouTube views. I, I can guarantee you right now. I probably even have to check. I'll check at some point to see how many views already the video has, but I wouldn't be surprised if it's on like 10 million already. So which benefits Piers, you know? So like, so I want to hear it from you, Samson, because Piers is an Arsenal fan. Uh, but 
I just want to know what your opinion is on him and his interview style and like whether Piers was actually the right person for Ronaldo to talk to. And overall, what you thought about the whole interview itself. So I just want to hear your opinion on that. Well, this is where this is where I think the interview is more PR. Like, like this is like the PR part of the interview, you know, like Piers, Piers Morgan. Because the thing about Piers Morgan is that he didn't always work for talk TV. I, I'm not sure whether he was fired or he left, but he got into some trouble last year. <laughs> Forget what it was about, uh, but he got into some trouble at, at his last network and he was let go um, or he left. I, I I don't know. But talk TV isn't like, I don't even think it's a top three network or even a top four. Maybe not even in the top five. Like, this is him basically having been kicked out of the establishment. Because he was very popular. He was at the top, like, close to the top of English media for a while. And then he, last year, yeah, I, I get, I, I'm not exactly sure what it was uh, what it was about. But um, I, for lack of a better word, I, I feel like it was just some woke shit. <laughs> being said that he did not agree with that he was like oh yeah that's just some woke shit i'm not gonna subscribe to and he was not willing to conform or toe the line or whatever it is and he stepped away. anyways talk tv is like um not like fox news for our american listeners but because really sky is sky is more like fox news than because sky is owned by the same guy robert rupert murder but it's it's like it's like one of those news stations where every show is like we're just gonna deal with the facts and you decide no nonsense no BS it's just the straight fact you know it's, it's that kind of like network so that's what he's on and he's very much in the twilight of his career uh, Pierce so I think Ronaldo picked Pierce because for that reason because he's not part of the establishment like if he went to BBC. ITV, Sky, um, any other big hitter, they would have rejected him just outright because United has a lot of pull. Like, do you listen, if you if you don't know this, like United is talked about like an insane amount in the UK. Like Arsenal could win the league and they will be the top story <laughs> when they win the league. But, like, the second or third will be, like, Man United. Like, they're, they're huge. Like, everyone talks about Man United. And they have a lot of strings they can pull. That's why as soon as word of this interview, like, seeped out, five news stories from Sky News, like, on the day popped up about Ronaldo. There's even a story that he um, wasn't going to be involved in, uh, or he left training with Portugal yesterday um even though that was something that you know the portuguese media wasn't really concerned about or no one in portugal was concerned about. but sky made sure they reported it you know like that type of thing so he wouldn't have been able to say what he was saying with anyone else um in that like top uk media like he had to go to someone who was um on the outside luckily for him Piers is someone who is on the outside but has enough pull on his own. He's a recognizable face and name because he has a long career in media. Um, so he could at least 
he's not like he hasn't destroyed his credibility yet like peers he has tarnished like a little bit because we know he is anti-woke and i i mean i won't get into like all the nitty group because I, I to be honest i'm not even sure exactly what he's for and what he's against but i know he's not um the most politically correct person in uk media and that's why he's not part of the establishment but he has enough of a name recognition and just brand recognition that Ronaldo could tie himself to him and it could do numbers. Because again, Ronaldo wasn't going to do this if it wasn't going to be watched. He wasn't going to do this if people weren't going to hear about it. Like, it was very important for him to do this. I think it was important for him to do this interview in English and to do it in England. Because he could have spoken in Portuguese. You know, he could have done it in Portugal done the whole but he understands that he needed united fans to hear this he needed the glazers to hear this he needed everyone involved in manchester to hear this piers morgan is a name that when they heard there's an interview with piers morgan i should i, I, I should you not every one of those united directors shut themselves immediately they were like oh my god <laughs> what is he gonna say they were worried like i'm sure they were like they knew a bombshell was coming because they know the kind of, number one, they know Piers is an Arsenal fan. They know Piers loves controversy. He loves doing numbers. And they know that Ronaldo didn't pick him for no reason. They didn't even know about the interview, okay? Like, if it was, if he had gone anywhere else, they would have known about this way back and they would have started planting stories to counter him way up in the lead-up of the interview. Like, weeks before but they didn't they didn't have any insider knowledge they were surprised just like the rest of us were this week when they heard about it so i think that's why ronaldo went to uh, piers morgan um and as for him being an arsenal fan i actually i absolutely hate that he is and i hate that the queen was an arsenal fan too because as the listener knows i i, I mean just i like i i hate them both like <laughs> just say that. i hate both those people and i yeah it sucks that because he's he has the most delusional takes. Like, he was one of the first to say Wenger out. And this was, like, in 2013 when, like, it was a dumb idea to say Wenger out. Even at the end, it was a dumb idea to say Wenger out, which is another thing. But he's always, he's, like, the one Arsenal fan with the garbage takes. And he was a Teta out not long ago. Like, a year ago, he was a Teta out. Only two weeks ago did he change his mind. Like, oh, now I'm a Teta screw you Pierce like hate this guy man like but yeah that's why he went to Pierce Morgan um he knew the numbers he would do you know I'm never surprised almost all the garbage fans are Arsenal fans anyway so that makes sense to me that makes sense a lot <laughs> but okay I mean you know I think we really covered it all with this um with this Ronaldo interview uh listen I really do hope that if you haven't listened to the interview yet go do go take some time to actually listen to it it was it's on YouTube so you will find the episodes, um, the, the, the episode by Piers on YouTube. You will find it there. So uh, don't you worry about that. And yeah, but I think, yeah, we, we, I think we kind of covered it. So to me personally, I'm just hope I'm just, I just can't wait to see what the fallout is when it comes to this interview, whether what action my United will take. Are they going to let him go? Are they going to keep him on? Are they going to find him a new club? Are they just going to go on live TV and burn his contract out for the world to see. 
I don't know what they're going to do, but it's going to be very interesting. And I'm very interested to see how Ten Hag responds to in the media. I'm very interested to see because I think Ronaldo did what he had to do and now he just has to wait and see. And I think whatever happens is going to do the best he can at the World Cup because he knows that that's his golden ticket. And I'm pretty sure if Portugal win the World Cup, he's going to retire right then and then. And Ronaldo will probably go down in history for being a legend. He tore up Manchester, another new one, won the World Cup, and then retired. Like, that's a bigger bout than Zidane giving that guy a headbutt and retiring right after that. Like, this will be the most, the most talked about retirement for any player at any point, especially if Portugal beat Argentina in the final or something like that. You know, I'm pretty sure Ronaldo will be like, okay, this could not end any more perfectly than it just did. This is me. I'm good. It's been great, guys. Peace out. I've done what I can. Man United, good luck. Ten Hag, good luck. I got the World Cup. I'm chilling. I'm just going to live my life at this point. And then that's it. So, <laughs> yeah, man. I think I think that's how it's going to be. But, listener, thank you so much for writing with us. Um, do go check out the interview if you haven't checked it out. And then maybe you can form your own opinions. Uh, the boy, Mr. Adrian Mangoro, was not able to join us today. But don't worry, listener. He'll be back. I know, you, I know you'll miss him, but he'll be back. I think... Uh, you know, when you work in this life, sometimes it can just take over and it is what it is, man. It's the new age plantation, but what can you do? Uh, anyways, with that listener, I will hand it over to Mr. Sange to say his goodbyes and we will close it out. So over to you, Mr. Samson. Yeah, dear listener, once again, great having you on the pod. Great being here with my brother, Maury. Great having uh, Nana before you had to leave. Um Great seeing the great man Cristiano Ronaldo drop this interview. Just great things all around. You know, as an Arsenal fan, what a year. Like, 2022 has been like crack in the veins, my guy. It's been, oof, just been here. I just, just been tapping the veins, man. <laughs> but yeah, it's been amazing. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I don't know what 2023 will hold. Honestly, it's like, I think the perfect way to end this year is Messi, Ronaldo in the final. I don't care who wins it. I really, I, I do not care. Whoever wins it, like, my heart will be full. Like, if, just like to see Messi win it, like the tears in his face, the joy. Wow. What a moment. To see Ronaldo win it and just retire, like, bro, like, he'll be my goat. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll say right now, if he wins, he's my goat. There's nothing you can do to change my mind. He is him. Um, but yeah, with that, dear listener, uh, I will say goodbye and uh, we'll catch you all next time. <laughs> 100%. Now, he definitely will be my goal forever. You know, Cristiano Dover, Messi, anytime. I know that splits up the things, but I'm pretty sure Ronaldo winning the World Cup over Messi will just end the debate right there and then. So, uh, and I'm sure it'll be just done at that point. It'll be done. Even Messi will be like, you know what? I also retire. I'm good. It's fine. It, it, it's okay. It's okay. We don't have to do this anymore. All right. <laughs> So, but yeah, you know, I think I think that's how it should be. But anyway, listener, thank you so much for hanging out with the First Brothers. And yeah, we'll catch you on the next one. And don't worry, next episode is going to be all about World Cup. As the World Cup is coming in, we're going to be doing all the briefings, all the match previews, overviews, uh, team selections. So watch out for the next episode that's going to come after this one. It's going to be all about the World Cup as the First Brothers fly over to Qatar to cover everything straight straight from the stadiums. 
But with that listener, thank you so much and we'll catch you on the next one. Peace out.